Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. Sorry we're a little late with this app. I had my mouth sewn up a couple of weeks ago, but I'm back here with my faithful friends and co-hosts, Patrick. I didn't know you had your mouth sewn up. I, I knew that you couldn't speak, but I didn't know it was sewn up. Literally, literally one of my cats in the middle of the night took a needle and thread and sewed it shut. They couldn't stand the snoring. They got my nose, too. Is, I don't know how I survived. Is that a malevolent reference you're making? Well, it might be a reference to the movie we're here to talk about today. Just a oh, little right. for you, a little tease. Yes. Um, hoping you guys have done your homework. Anyways, um, hi. We yes, are here I'm today. Here. I, I'm Chris. Thanks for the introduction. I'm Chris. I'm back. <laughs> you guys are back. Uh, yes, that was a little little joke. I was I was pretty sick uh, when we were supposed to record this initially. We're here today to discuss Ouija. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce it correctly this time, Origin of Evil, a 2016 Mike Flanagan film. But before we get into it, we always do a little catch up and uh, find out what we've been watching, reading, experiencing lately that might have a horror bent to it. Chris, you got anything? Quite a bit, actually, for a change. Uh, I watched Happy Death Day for the first yeah. time. Yeah, you Which, did. you know, I feel like I'm late to the party on that. I watched Freaky not that long ago, and it was good but not great. I liked Happy Death Day a lot more. It's a little bit shameless in how it just rips off Groundhog Day, but sure. that's, okay. that's okay, I guess. Have you watched Happy Death Day to you it. yet? No, but I'm I am actually very eager to, which is rare. It's rare to watch it for me to watch a movie like that and say, you know what, I want to see the sequel, but I do want to see the sequel, and it's because the characters were so uh, appealing to mm-hmm. me uh, in that. It's one. fun. So it's fun. You'll en- you'll yeah. enjoy it. I think sounds like sounds like it's a little more uh, more of a science fiction leaning film than the first. Is that true? That's kind of what I've been hearing, and it's put me off from it a little bit. I don't fucking remember. I forgot that people's mouths got sewn <laughs> up in Ouija Origin of Evil because I watched it a week and a half ago while you were sick. But I remember enjoying Happy Death Day to you. All right. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Anyway, I also have been... I, I played the remake of Resident Evil 4, I could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> Suffice to say, the original Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, video game of all time. I was very skeptical of the remake project. I didn't think that it could be remade uh, in an appealing way. I was wrong. The remake is everything you could have want in a remake of a game like that. It's fantastic. I honestly don't know if I'm going to play it or the original, the next time I have an itch to play resident evil four, it's damn good. I had a blast with it. I'm continuing to have a blast with it. Great job. Everybody involved in that. I have a question about that actually, because this is like a, a blind spot for me. What exactly does remake mean when it comes to a video game? Is it just like improved graphics or it can mean a lot of things depending on the game, depending on the okay. developer, depending on the intention. There's been some remakes that are just improved graphics for the Resident it's, it's, Evil It's live games. action this time. It's like The Lion King. <laughs> it might as well be. It's so It's very realistic. For the Resident Evil games, they've gone back. They started with... Um, well, they did make some remakes of the original Resident Evil, but but this sort of generation of remakes started with their remake of Resident Evil 2, which mm. was quite an old game, and they made it modern. I mean, they they totally rebuilt it from the ground up, so it's uh, the same story, the same characters, the same environments, the same puzzles, the same... Uh, but 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 the mechanics are modern and the graphics are modern. Um, so none of that like fixed camera stuff because no I couldn't fixed camera I, stuff. I couldn't I couldn't get I couldn't get into that game when it first came out. I mean, granted, I was never that big of a gamer, but I got really kind of stuck on that aspect. No, they've they've really translated these old classic, much beloved games into something that passes for a modern game. Uh, mm-hmm. in every way really um, and Resident Evil 4 they didn't have to do much it's 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 really uncanny how similar this game is to the old game but um, it was uh, it was it was a it was it was like I com- I just watched uh, the remake of West Side Story recently Spielberg's West Side Story great uh, video game by the way <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's the best comparison I can make like the original Resident Evil 4 is the original West Side Story and this is like the Spielberg West Side Story like it's the same but mm. it's totally different and 
and made with a lot of love for the original. So good for them. One more thing, which is related, and this isn't something I watched, but something I'm going to watch. I want to put a call out because I, I know our, our know our listenership. I get the sense that our listenership is like our age and slightly older. And there's a generational war that's about to happen with horror. And I want to rally the troops. In October, as you might know, if it's Halloween, once again, it must be Saw. Saw X or Saw 10 is hitting theaters. It's very big. Oh, it's coming uh, out. Moment for There's me. a release date. It's co- Oh, it's coming out this year. Oh. Yeah. And the release date, the release date has been announced is the same as the release date for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Oh, God. So Five Nights at Freddy's you may or may not know is sort of a like survival horror computer game. It's probably on consoles, video game, survival horror video game that, that is sort of targeted towards kids. Uh, I know like fifth graders love this shit. Like it's, it's scary shit, but, but it's uh, accessible to kids and basically zoomers who have grown up with five nights at Freddy's are talking shit online. They're saying saw is washed up. Saw is cringe. Five nights at Freddy's is going to beat saw at the box office. And I just want you all to get out and see saw X so that these fucking zoomers don't flex on saw when it goes head to head against five nights at Freddy's the movie. Oh wow, and that's in October. That's October. I don't (laughs) already fired up about it. (laughs) I don't know the date. I'm just it's coming down the tracks. The things I saw online, the things Zoomers were saying about Saw, not putting any respect on Saw's name, uh, really upset me. I mean, the truly amazing thing is that Zoomers give a fuck about a theatrical release of a movie, let alone one adapting a video game made however long ago. Yeah. Like they're they're just owning themselves. Well, before we go to Patrick, I'll drop a couple of short things. Uh, the Easter holiday has come and gone, but to celebrate, I did as I do every year. I watched Critters Two: The New Batch, directed by Nick Garris, and it's a pretty crummy movie. But goddamn, I love those critters or crites as they're called in in that film universe. It's so fun. The, the, even as cheap as the practical effects are, I just want to pick them up and give them a hug. I'd like to adopt a bunch of them. When they all assemble into a giant ball and start rolling people over and eating them as they do so, leaving, like, wasted, bloody corpses behind. Uh, what what better way to celebrate the rebirth of our Lord Christ? Um, and kind of germane to Ouija Origin of Evil... I know Chris is a big, and Patrick too, I suppose maybe, is a big fan of the Spooked podcast. And I revisited the other night one of my favorite episodes of that show, which is one of the most spine-tingling things I've ever heard. I've probably listened to it ten times. Uh, The filmmaker Daniel Noah, who's part of Spectre Vision with Elijah Wood, um, tells, god damn it. Louis pulling my earbuds out, um, tells a story about going to a film festival at the Stanley hotel infamous as the, uh, you know, the inspiration for Stephen King's the shining. And he tells a story of a Ouija board experience that he had in that hotel and the surprisingly, uh, real connections he found in the history of the hotel with what he experienced after fucking with the Ouija board. And I don't know if I 100% believe that, these things truly happen and transpire the way he describes, but he's convincing and I can tell that he believed it and that makes it all the scarier. Um, so if you want to listen to something creepy, it's about 20 minutes. It's the iconic episode. That's the title of the spooked podcast by uh, snap judgment. Patrick, what's horrific in your life lately? Yeah, you sent me that last night, and I meant to listen to it for homework before this show, and then I didn't because I don't listen to podcasts, even though I host one. Two. You. Guest on them. But anyways, I um, have finished The Last of Us 2, and boy, that was bleak, man. I, I really want to talk to people about that, and I know neither of you have played it. So if you're listening and you're on the Amon Discord and you have played it, I want to talk to you about it. If you're not on the Amon Discord, there's a link in our show notes. Show notes. It's a great community. I also saw Scream Six finally, 
and really enjoyed it, actually. I think I enjoyed it more than the fairly critically lauded last installment. I'm getting very invested in the new characters. It did some fun, twisty shit that I wasn't really expecting, and I had a good time with it. And what else? Oh, I started watching Yellow Jackets, finally. I finally caught up to the rest of America on that one. First two episodes, absolute slappers. Can't wait to watch more. It's a it's a great show. I'll be curious to well now now you know so how to say this. When I started watching that show, nobody knew anything about it except, you know, the basic premise. And when this first came out, I thought, man, I really hope this is just like a one and done season. And we Yeah, I remember you I, saying that. And I feel that even which is just two episodes in. No, I know, it's, I know. It's supposed to hope but but it seems like it's set up that way. It yeah. sounds like you're having that experience. And yeah, once it ended, I was like, God damn it. Yeah, I'll watch more because all these women are fucking amazing. The cast yes. is just like out of control. But I don't want this to get dragged out like Lost where it's a mystery box thing and they're just making shit up for nine seasons. Yeah. Uh, the new season is not impressing me all that much so far. I um, would watch Melanie Linsky just be a badass for infinity seasons oh you're gonna see her do some pretty badass shit in the second season i'll tell you and complete she's completely non the whole time too it's just the great thing you know she's threatening people with a gun yeah and she has like almost doesn't no give a shit on her face yeah <laughs> this is this is my year of melanie linsky like she's been on my radar i have enjoyed her in the past but between last of us and yellow jackets i'm like my queen is there a uh, one of the survivors in Yellow Jackets whose problem as an adult is that she liked eating people too much and she wants the next fix of eating people? No. I'm not interested then. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, will, have- I will play The Last of Us 2, though. It's been I've owned it. It's been on my list for for years. Uh, yeah, do just- it. And I'll talk to you about it in like three weeks because it's long as fuck. Oh, yeah. I gotta play the. I've played the first one twice, but it's also been so long that like I don't remember key plot. Like the TV show would surprise me probably because I remember oh, so little about it. The show surprised me a lot between episodes one and eight because all I remembered was the beginning and the ending. But to play mm-hmm. two, all you all you need to remember is how the first one ended, which I think is impossible to forget. Essentially, right? Yeah. Well. Okay. Good catch up, guys. Um. I'm going to turn down the lights, light the candles. Let's get our hands on the planchette and talk about Ouija origin of evil. Yes. So, I mean, I think maybe the obvious place to start here is, has anybody seen Ouija? Yes. Patrick watched it for homework. I um, saw it in the goddamn theater when it came out did for you have professional to reasons. What did you say? Okay. You had to review it. Right. Yeah, I did. I should look up Patrick's review of it. Yeah, you could probably find it. Uh, And it was one of the most horrifying theater experiences of my life because it was one of those nights where you're the only person in the theater except for the gaggle of teens behind you who will not shut the fuck up and stop giggling and whatever. Uh, I was irritated through the whole movie. And yeah. I, so I had seen it and I decided to revisit it after watching Ouija Origin of Evil for after rewatching or Ouija Origin of Evil for this podcast. And what did you think of Ouija Origin of Evil? Ah, I'd give it a screw uh, it. <laughs> no, of Ouija. I'm asking <laughs> about Ouija. Yeah, Ouija. Because I know um, nothing. I know nothing about Ouija. I only remember when uh, Hasbro developed a film division, which is still hilarious to me. Oh, yeah. And they were putting out the G.I. Joe movies and the Transformers movies and the Battleship movie, movie. which I've also fucking seen. And then they announced Ouija. And I was like, when is this going to stop? How do you make a movie about the Ouija board? Yeah. Well, Origin of Evil, at least, figured that out pretty well. I think the Ouija board is the only Hasbro game that lends itself to a movie. I, I mean, I think Transformers do well enough. I just don't think anybody's made like a good Transformers. I, I've heard Bumblebee is good, but I Transformers seems like there's fodder there to me. It just they always make it into fucking bullshit. Rah rah American Mark Wahlberg ripping his fucking shirt off. Robot bullshit. But anyways, yeah. Ouija interestingly is not that related to the Ouija board really that was the main thing that surprised me when I watched it is the Ouija board doesn't actually factor in that heavily my other two 
I have two things to say about this. My other two observations about it would be uh, it's not as bad as people say it is. The reviews are awful. It has like a 5% Rotten Tomato score or something. And it's <laughs> it's not good. It's 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 just very middling to me. Um, and, and the final thing about it is it is interestingly very tied to this movie in some ways. There were a lot of reshoots and Mike Flanagan actually weighed in on them, bizarrely yeah. enough. So there are story elements. There is continuity that connects these two movies, but in ways that I'll probably bring up as we get deeper into the discussion. Interesting. Huh? Well, he yeah. did say, so I guess, um, I don't want to get too deep into this right now, but, but, uh, Jason Blum, this is a Blumhouse movie in addition to a Hasbro and universal movie. And, uh, he wanted the sequel to have nothing to do with the original. And Mike Flanagan, who is apparently quote unquote allergic to sequels said, no, we gotta we gotta honor the original, even if it sucked. <laughs> so he tried to tie them together somehow. Well, I mean, which the, is kind of puzzling to me. The question about this is, why did Mike Flanagan sign on for this in the first place? And it, and it's a good movie. Like he did the best you can absolutely do with make me a Hasbro branded movie about a Hasbro product. You know, it's it's like it's almost the the case study for how how to how to make one of these bullshit brand extension kind of movies, but also why? Like, I mean, surely the paycheck, the dude must have just needed money. The paycheck and the creative control that Blumhouse offers, I assume. He's like, okay, well, I can take a step up with more money, bigger budget, show people what I can do so I can make a million Stephen King properties into films. (laughs) And, you know, why not? And I think he did a really solid, commendable job with it. It's not a masterpiece or anything, but, like, it's clearly a Mike Flanagan movie like we hadn't seen up until that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first movie, I don't know, I guess Oculus got a theatrical release, a wide release, but did. I, didn't, I didn't hear about it, but... it was And Hush came out between the two. I cannot remember. Was that a Netflix original? Yes, yes. Yeah, Hush okay. was a Netflix original. Uh, Before I Wake was a Netflix original. So this yeah. was, oh. at best, his second theatrical release movie and, and made, I think, a bigger splash than Oculus did. So You mean, you like, know. wide release? Yes. Yeah, okay. But he decided to make it as a prequel, which I think is the most uh, interesting creative choice in the movie. This takes place in the 60s, right? Do we know the year? 67 sticks out to me. 1967, yeah, uh, which I, I remembered it because I, Patrick and I saw this in the theater when it came out, and oh, I remembered shit. it being set in the 70s, but no, it's even earlier than that. It's the 60s, um, and basically we see a widowed mother of two girls who is trying to make ends meet by basically doing uh fortune telling sort of john edward talking to your dead loved ones gimmick act in the parlor of her house mm-hmm. and um she's a con artist basically she's got the table rigged up uh with with wires and shit she's got her kids in the cabinet making the candles light and go out and uh she's giving her clients a profound experience of connection to the other side and their dead loved ones but it's all a scam yeah which Uh, meanwhile she and her daughters are grieving the recent death of uh their father the 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 man of the house uh the the woman's husband and the older daughter goes to a party and a coffee party you remember be, remember yeah. going to coffee parties, guys? <laughs> and and in between, listen, yeah, and I remember watching the moon landing at those parties. <laughs> in in between newscasts about the the Apollo program, uh, she plays with a Ouija board, and yeah. the family decides it would be fun to incorporate one into their act. And so the mother gets one, but the little girl who's desperate to reach her father on the other side plays with it at night by herself doesn't say goodbye she breaks mm-hmm. at least two of the rules of playing with the Ouija board and hauntings ensue don't think it don't play it don't, don't think it don't play it <laughs> and I really like I don't know if this is it were the were the rules of the Ouija board pre-existing or did this this movie establish them you know I've I have played with a Ouija board 
maybe two or three times in my life, and I was not aware that there were rules. There probably are. I'm looking into buying a vintage version of the uh, the one that they that we see in this movie, um, not the OG, and I'll find out. I'll report back. It's but gotta I, I be. Have to wonder. It's gotta be just like general folklore. I don't. I I doubt that was created for the movie. It's in the Ouija movie too. I feel like that's got to be just kind of general urban legend if it's not on the box. On so the wait, box. what are what are the rules as we know them? So there's a there's a saying that don't you play begin, alone. Oh yeah, 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 friends. That you begin the session gathered hearts are true, spirits something we call to you or something like that. The rules are you don't play it alone. You don't play it in a graveyard, and you always say goodbye. always say goodbye, which is my favorite. But there's also this also the saying you have to say at the beginning sure i I, the the goodbye thing i was not aware of and i I think that's kind of (laughs) cute honestly it's respectful you have to end the session or the haunt of the spirits don't go away that makes sense yeah yeah i love the opening scene of this movie i i've seen it three times now and it always delights me we talked about seance scenes last episode Mm -hmm. i think when we were talking about the Bye Bye Man. And I'm not big on seance scenes, but I love this one because it just subverts your expectations. And as soon as it's over, you find out how they did everything. And as a skeptic who doesn't want to believe in this shit, but also fears believing in it, as we were talking about on the group chat last night. Yeah, uh, we'll get into it. I love just like, oh, it was all bullshit. And here's exactly how it worked. Mm -hmm. Love that. It's fun. It's a great scene. I mean, honestly... It's the best part of the movie for me. I feel like it's downhill from there. <laughs> not that it's not that that downhill is maybe the wrong word, but like that that is truly the highlight. It's just so mm-hmm. charming and inventive, and it 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 is spooky. It is kind of playing with your sympathies quite a bit. The performances are great. Like the 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 old man in that scene has like the mm. most believable teary eyed expression of like of of like longing and hope and also fear that I've maybe ever seen in a movie. Like he's, it's just like he's next level. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman may as well be in that scene. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or Philip Baker Hall. <laughs> a lot of good Phillips out there. Um another favorite moment of mine that Chris's synopsis of the first act or so just reminded me of was the when they're playing Ouija at the coffee party and there is your sort of stereotypical character who is super anxious about this whole thing and freaking out like, I don't know, guys, are you pushing it? This is freaking me out. We shouldn't be doing this. And then I forget who interrupts the scene and just it's it's almost a reverse jump scare because I want to say there's not like a big sound cue when someone opens the door, but they're all startled and she just screams unnecessarily loudly. Yeah, yeah, and Flan- right. Flanagan films are not often funny, I want to say, but I cackled when that happened it's pretty funny also that's going to be you at my ouija party (laughs) it absolutely will be so funny thing i made uh as as you two i think know but our listeners don't know i made a psa about recycling that involved a ouija board for oh my god yeah national contest i'll i'll link to it in the show notes Uh, a, a national contest sponsored by the ad council i won second place in the national contest i'll have you know and it involves a ouija board and i swear this was before this movie came out but it's shot i mean listen there's only so many ways to do a ouija board scene but it's shot for shot like the thing where they put their hands on the planchette and then there's the one girl who doesn't want to do it and then they look at her and she looks back and then she puts her hands on the planchette that sequence of shots is in my minute long ad shot for shot so I think Mike Flanagan might have plagiarized me a little bit. <laughs> we got to share that on the socials in the Discord, I think, if you're comfortable with it. I think yeah, people yeah, really I'll, enjoy I'll, it. I'll put it in the show notes and in the Discord. It's it's good stuff. Um but but I guess I either either I'm deserving of royalties here or <laughs> I just have the same directorial instincts as Mike Flanagan, so I'll take either. Um another f- another fun fact. This isn't as fun. But um, I, Patrick and I saw this in the theater, as I said, and this was like mere months after my dad died, IRL. Uh, And the whole movie is about 
longing to talk to your dad who just died and it kind of hits different when you've had that happen uh in real life in such close proximity to watching it um and and i I remember that being a big part of my experience when i watched the movie in uh 2016 i don't um it didn't make a huge impact on me this time around but uh I dare say you could yeah. have seen any number of Mike Flanagan properties, um, <laughs> some of which didn't exist at the time and may have had a similar experience like this. It's interesting. That this is a big kind of franchise movie, but he's able to kind of sneak in a, a lot of his usual themes about grief and faith and like, you know, like faith, you know, faith versus reason and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like baby Flanagan here. And and I really love basically the premise of this movie, which is that the families, but but especially the the little girl, Doris, is so she's so desperate to make a connection to her father. And basically what she does, and this is this is horrifying. This is the scariest idea to me in the movie. Like she contacts basically a demon posing as her father Mm -hmm. and it's horrifying oh my god did she i thought of this question when i watched this a couple weeks ago but i wasn't thinking about the rules of ouija did she get to say goodbye to her father i don't remember how he died the resolution of all that left a lot to be desired. We'll get, okay. get into that. Okay. Okay. Good. So I'm not. I'm not totally crazy. There's some yeah. gaps to be filled. Maybe. Also in the mix is Mike Flanagan regular Henry Thomas. Oh yeah. This time he is a priest and the head of the school that the girls go to, and he uh, has a cons- he he's got a lot going on. He's got concern for the kids' performance in school. He has a almost romance with the hot mom. Because his wife is dead. Because his wife is her. dead, and he's still grieving her, and that's like, that was, he became a priest in the wake of that. And then as, as things go on, he becomes a, a resource in, in trying to, you know, he sort of, he does, he's not an exorcist and an exorcism does not occur, but he is very much in that sort of archetypical role of the, the priest who has to come to the house and figure out what the hell is going on and, and mm-hmm. sort of be the foil to the demonic presence. He's very much the father of Mort of this movie. Yeah, which we could talk about that, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> there are very few connections to be made there. I'm just fooling. Wait, have we already have we already talked on cast about how Russell Crowe is going to be playing Father Amort in a, a, an upcoming film? Oh, it's already no. out. It's out. Yeah. Oh, it's out. We, I, the I Pope's Exorcist. Right, 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 right. I've actually heard some encouraging things about it. That's oh, okay. um, I, I've heard that it might be funny and it might be self aware. Oh, so we'll, we'll see. With that title, you gotta be, right? <laughs> yeah. That's like plain. Yeah. Henry Thomas, though, I always... Russell Crowe sees a demon in the hotel lobby and throws a phone at it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I always love to see Henry Thomas, but at the same time, I don't... <laughs> this is such an odd sentiment. I love to see him, but I don't like him as an actor. He looks... There's just something uncanny valley about him. He looks computer generated and the performance is always just <laughs> not bad, but just slightly wooden in a way that seems like mm, something's not quite right here. He's coming to Motor City Nightmares. So you can say that to his CGI deep fake face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I Patrick, I have the same kind of complex with him because like, you know, E.T., come on, he's fucking Elliot. Like, I grew up sure. like, wanting to be Elliot and having Alien as a friend, you know? Like, I watched that movie so many hundreds you of times. You almost said Pat. I appreciate you changing it to friend. <laughs> I've seen, seen say Pat. <laughs> I have seen E.T. only once and as an adult. So, that's your Patrick is a freak fact for today. Please continue about Henry But I, I just, like, that face is just so, like, and he was in a in a bunch of movies in the 80s and early 90s and like that face is just so like burned into my memory that yeah when i see him as an adult it's kind of weird and like sometimes part of it is the material that he's given right like flanagan's scripts are pretty patrick you said earlier his films are rarely humorous his scripts are almost a little too self-serious a lot of the time and i feel like henry thomas just might not be the right actor for that 
I thought he was fantastic in this. I found him to be so charming in this. I don't know. I felt like he was perfectly dialed in for the material. And maybe part of it is that like it's a period setting. So everything's a little bit off and a little bit heightened in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is something I really liked. I liked how there's, I mean, even we could talk about the form uh, finish your finish your point and then we'll we'll talk about the form of this movie oh that was my point and we should talk about the form because i have a lot of thoughts about it i mean this is this is a movie that is very much styled to look like it, it was filmed in the year that it came out 65 or 67 whichever it, it is it feels a little later than that to me but yeah it's in it's in the ballpark fake cigarette burns and all fake cigarette balls burns which are a delight and it's it's like cigarette balls it's hard to imagine that we used to just watch movies that had those cigarette burns because i remember seeing them all the time and it's it's really really a a walk down memory lane to see that again and i'm like and we got we got split diopters out the ass in this oh yeah you guys know that just turns me right up oh same i'm all about a split diopter what I remember is, I mean, you got the title card, which looks is a blast from the past, very mm-hmm. stylized of the era, and then there's just shots like there's a scene where where the the mom, the the heroine is uh, talking to Henry Thomas like outside the school, and it's just like a wide shot where they're both standing in it with like a slow zoom on yes. them the whole time they're talking. There's some really good moments in this, especially in like the final climactic scene where it zooms rather than cutting. And I really appreciated that too, because I genuinely think that that's usually the better choice. Um, if you're trying to build tension and, and keep the audience in the moment, there's lots mm. of like subtle stuff like that, that you just don't see that often anymore. And it's worth noting that Flanagan edited this movie too. So he, he really knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we get the old universal logo too, that they oh, discontinued yeah. oh, in the early nineties. That's a whole genre or trope of movies for me that I love it, it is movies that start with an anachronistic version of their studio logo. Love that. Do you guys and have a favorite studio vintage studio logo by any chance? I don't. Because I do. I love the um the old red and black Warner Brothers logo. Oh, that, that one I think is was sick. on Shining. Yeah. You should that see Joker. Rad. You should see oh, Joker. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's on Joker, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's on like American Hustle or something, too. No, I, I, I like uh I, I like it when the Warner Brothers logo glitches. <laughs> like in the matrix yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay all of these little stylistic per- period touches just kind of elevate the movie for me and it's like because it's like is this is this movie really is it really re is it really like changing the game in terms of horror movies haunted house movies I would say it's not, but, you know, just having that sort of extra aesthetic on everything makes it a little more interesting and a little more watchable. And and it really feels like people aren't just phoning it in. I always say when you see a period piece, it means they're not taking the fastest, cheapest route. So I appreciate that. It has. So I go back and forth on this, right? Like I halfway through this movie on my second viewing, you know, a week ago, whatever I thought, is this, is this really just a gimmick? Like, is there any reason for it to be shot this way? Or is this just a way to like draw even more attention to it? And I think the the net effect is that you do. I did feel like I was in caring hands. Um, I felt like, okay, this could be, this is like the most obvious cynical crash cash grab concept for a movie. And yet the filmmaker is like, no, I'm going to make it special. I'm going to put, you know, extra detail into it. And 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 show you even even further than what I'm doing with the script, in the way I'm directing the performances, you know that I really care about this material. I'm not just trying to rush through this production and and, and get it out there to make a quick buck. And I think that's pretty cool. You don't see that often with these big studio movies. It feels like affectation to me. It feels film schooly, and this is lesser Flanagan. Like this does not make me cry. You know, this it doesn't the the themes, the emotional arc do not come together for me. But, you know, it's still Flanagan and it's still, yeah, as you said, Stephen, kind of caring hands. It's a filmmaker who is who who does care about what he's doing. And you can tell that he cares about what he's doing, even when sometimes it feels mm, hmm, maybe overly earnest or mm-hmm. I don't know. This one doesn't quite all come together for me, but 
It's enjoyable. I love this man. I love Mike Flanagan. I'd watch him do fucking anything. Also, side note, guess who's a producer on this? Oh, Michael I know. Bay. Michael Bay. Michael fucking Bay. <laughs> Ardith Bay. <laughs> Michael Bay just doubling down on bankrolling all the Hasbro shit, clearly. You know what this movie was severely lacking was a dose of a dose of mayhem, <laughs> <laughs> which is what he calls his filmmaking style. If you yeah. don't know, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. Well, I don't know, Pat. So Patrick, you you almost you almost gave a little review there. You think uh, you think it's time to review it? You, you, I want to know if you'd view it, view it or screw it. I feel like we've talked about absolutely nothing, but sure. Um, I mean, view it. Obviously, I love again this is very enjoyable it is i think maybe literally the absolute best thing you could do with a sequel let alone a prequel to a movie called ouija that is based on the board game ouija that is bankrolled by hasbro it's it's very enjoyable i had a good time with it in the theater every time i see it i always want to get a little more out of it than i think it's actually prepared to give me and mm. I think I have to accept that it's just not there. It's not Midnight Mass, you know. It's not uh, Doctor oh, no. <laughs> Sleep, you know. Flanagan has come a long way since this, but it's still it's still fun, and it's the best thing you could do with this material. Stephen, um, I will give it a cue. It. I think there's a lot to love about this movie. However, I've had t- I, I've had to do a little bit of. Uh, um, online reading to kind of remind myself what even fucking happens in a lot of this movie. And it's not that it's not enjoyable to watch. It's just that like Patrick was saying, I don't think it's prepared to really like shake you. It's very PG 13. I don't think it's scary. At least not like it's not terrifying. You know, it feels like a PG 13 movie to me in a lot of ways. And it, it does feel like Flanagan kind of taking a left turn to develop his, his filmmaking craft more than his like storytelling and character work. So a lot of it just kind of like 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 sifted through my hands like the grains of time after I watched <laughs> it. it. But I'll, I'll never forget that opening sequence. I mean, that was the thing I was most excited to see upon revisiting it. So it's a cue it as just like a movie, but it's a view it if you're a Mike Flanagan fan and you want to trace his whole trajectory. I think you absolutely must see this. Chris. So this is a pretty, on rewatching it, I was surprised at how mediocre I thought that this movie was. And that said, I'm going to give it a view it because it has some stuff that I just absolutely love. The opening is great. I'm a sucker for Ouija boards. I'm a sucker for Mm -hmm. seance scenes. And the last act of the movie really doesn't work for me, but Henry Thomas shows up and brings chills in a big way. And we'll, we'll get into that. But I thought that his like Henry Thomas just delivering exposition ends up being one of the scariest things I've seen in a movie. Uh, And so I gotta, I gotta say it's worth watching for those elements. And, you know, the, the period aspect is fun. Uh, it's very watchable, uh, not a masterpiece, but certainly worth my time, possibly worth your time. I say view it. All right. Well, with that said, Patrick, do you want to do the social spiel? Hey, we're on social media. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we are too. Come find us at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. We're also on Discord, as mentioned earlier in this podcast. We have a wonderful community out there of folks who love to talk about Amon, the movies we watch on Amon, and more importantly, all kinds of shit we don't watch on Amon. So check out the show notes if you want to come join us there and talk to me about The Last of Us 2. We also have a merch store where you can buy t-shirts and other goods and sundries with Amon art that I designed on it. That's at tpublic.com slash Amoncast. Again, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. And last but not least, please, if you enjoy the show, go to your podcast provider of choice. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Yada, yada. Five stars. Say nice things. It helps people find the show. Goodbye. And and if you want to see Chris's second place winning short film about recycling that involves a Ouija board, we're going to be putting that out on everything Patrick just talked about except for the merch store (laughs) (laughs) though i suppose we could you could finally make a profit off that chris we can uh, 
I turn made it into a an NFT. I, I an got NFT I got a four figure cash prize for finishing second place in that contest. Holy shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to revisit. Four figure. Yeah, four figures. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna head down to the spoiler room and spoil everything. We will talk to you in a moment. Yeah, I'm gonna plant a, uh, a pollinator garden. There aren't enough bees in the neighborhood. We gotta get these numbers of bees up. We want bees. We want wasps. We want horseflies. Oh want no, we do not want horseflies. <laughs> we want murder hornets. We want but murder if got, hornets. Get some bees out there, and I'll walk on your side of the street when I go for a walk. I love bees. All right, we'll get some bees out there. All right, hey. Welcome hey. back. We're down here in the secret ante room of the spoiler basement, ready to spoil Ooh. everything about Ouija Origin of Evil. My God, I well, the first time I saw this movie, I was not prepared for. Can we call it a twist? It's kind of a twist. It's twist. It's a turn. Um, it's it's sort of like Insidious, where Insidious thinks you makes you think the house is haunted, and it turns out to be the boy. Yeah, uh, here you think the boy or the girl is haunted and turns out to be the house, which kind is kind of basically just poltergeist, but but different <laughs> and scary. It's very it creepy. Scary. So so basically, I mean, and I side note, I really like the escalation of the spooks with Doris. I mean, we get to a point where like Doris is just doing the CGI mouth thing, and that's oh, I don't like appealing. that. I don't like I that. But like, I like when she's looking through the planchette and she's like seeing shit. That's fun. Yeah, you know, that's also um, in Ouija. Twenty fourteen's awesome. Ouija. Nice. But um it ultimately like Doris basically I mean she kind of goes down the exorcist uh William Friedkin's the exorcist route where she's like you know befriending the demons and trying to talk to the demons and then the demons start taking her over and Okay. She, but all-time yeah. great creepy kid. Doris is fucking amazing and this at the time little girl who played her did an incredible job. I love the scene where like the boyfriend I don't like it. The older I like that scene. The older sister's boyfriend comes over and he's like leaving and Doris is like, Hey, do you know what it feels like when what is she talking about? When someone drowns you, I think, or someone when chokes you. Get you. Strangled. Oh yeah, when you're strangled. Mm, good stuff. And she, and just, she relates she, details of strangulation that you would only know if you actually were killed by strangulation. Yeah. <laughs> or and haunted she, by a spirit who was. Yeah. Right? She, is that what's going on there? Yeah. And she just like vacillates between like innocent little girl who is completely like sort of unaware of the magnitude of what she's getting herself into and, you know, creepy demon. Mm, good shit. Good creepy kid. You hated mm-hmm. it though, Chris. I, I mean, I don't hate that scene. It's, it, it doesn't, it feels a little, I don't know, a little it, much. It didn't know. move the plan chat for me. I'll say it didn't, that. It didn't move the plan chat, but whatever. It's it fine. is, it is a little much. That's why I loved it though. But Doris, like, <laughs> Doris, like, starts, like, doing all her homework in Polish. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, wait, what's going, what's going on? Um, and they, they take it to Henry Thomas, and they're like, Doris just keeps writing pages and pages of Polish. Like, isn't sister so-and-so from Poland? Could you show these to her or whatever? Anyway, Henry Thomas takes the pages, shows up at the house, and he's like, oh, hi, Doris. Yeah, how are you doing? Hey, you know, I really need to talk to your mom mom and your sister your sister's been having trouble at school yeah i we're, let's go talk alone <laughs> for a minute and they go upstairs in the bedroom and he, he has the most important monologue of the movie which really brings the chills up to 11 for me he starts talking about how doris has been writing the diary of like a World War II refugee or something who was uh, tortured and killed by a uh, Nazi doctor in hiding in America who built yeah. a torture room inside the house that they're currently living in and continued his Nazi experiments in the the walls of this house in a, in a secret room inside the basement walls. And they're yeah. like, Oh God, he killed, you know, dozens of people doing these experiments. You, 
holy shit, you played with the Ouija board in a graveyard because their bo- their bones are still here. So you broke all three rules. Oh, which is, I love, so I revisited a little bit of this before we started recording. And there's a scene where the, the boyfriend of Lena says, he's geeking out about the house. And he's like, it's yeah. got good bones. Sorry, yeah. my dad's an architect. <laughs> 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 yeah, only there so that the Doris thing can lure the boyfriend to the basement and say, you were right about one thing. This house has good bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's a there's a skull in the walls. And, and, and boyfriend, let me tell you, he's not long for this world. He, he dies no. shortly afterwards um, in, a, in a grievous yeah. fashion. Yeah, well, there's also cash down there, too. I mean, to backtrack a little bit, when, she, when we initially think that Doris is talking to Daddy, and she, and she her her word, not mine, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> she, 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 he, the spirit leads her down there to this, like, hole in the wall, and there's a, there's a big wad of cash, so they can keep the house, they don't have to move out of town, go yeah, on and run. Yeah, it feels like divine providence, mm-hmm. like, and they're like, oh, this is obviously our dad who put this money away and is looking out for us or something like and, that. And it relates to the board, too, because she's the one who convinces the mom to get the... I'm just filling in details, but she she convinces the mom to... No, it's the older sister who convinces the mom to get the Ouija board, but once they find out that Doris has this ability and she's like, dad is talking through her, they start using her as part of their scam. Oh, right? yeah. And it's not really a... Well, it's... At that point, it's not really so much of a scam, but... It is a little bit of a scam, though, because what I forgot to say is Henry Thomas shows up and goes through the whole Ouija board routine, pretending like he's trying to talk to his wife. Yeah. But he is... Uh, he's he's trying to send... He's, he's trying to use ESP to feed the demons the wrong answers. <laughs> I had to I had to watch that part twice this time around. It was a little <laughs> convoluted for me, and I don't know that it ever fully made sense. Yeah, he's like, no, this isn't this isn't my wife you're talking to. This is a demon that can read your mind and wants to make you think it's your dead wife. Mm. Nothing gets by Henry Thomas. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That's a good bit. I don't know the whole yeah. twist with like fucking Jewish death doctor uh, or uh, sorry, Nazi death doctor. The devil's doctor, they call him. Yeah, <laughs> didn't turn the dial for me, man. It's just, it's Doesn't a little much. Why does, why does it have to be tied to Nazi shit? Like, because it's why not? It's fucking it's the, it's wild. Because it feels like evil. Because it feels <laughs> exploitative as shit. Mm, no, like I, mm, I think, I, I, I think the history of Nazi doctors in the United States after the war hasn't been explored enough. Frankly. Yeah, for entertainment and horror movies, yeah. Yeah. No, I disagree. I, I, I thought it was a I, I thought it was just so creative and strange and unexpected that it sent chills down my spine and that's all I want out of Ouija Origin of Evil. <laughs> the line that chilled me is he talks about how the diary recounts the experiments and the torture and the death of the writer. And then he says, but it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the part that made me spooked in the theater and spooked me again now. Because the, the narrator of this Polish diary dies, but then keeps writing through Doris about what happens next. Yeah, all the subsequent victims. Yeah. Didn't 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 turn the planchette, as Steven said. Move the planchette. Or turn you, it does turn. It you does said turn do earlier, I think. No, I think I said move, but I guess it yeah. does turn. I like I, the stuff where the planchette seems to be when it's moving on its own, it actually looks kinda like stop motion. That's good I shit. I thought that was cool. I also mm-hmm. love when you I, I love both versions. I love when you see uh whatever her name, Elizabeth Reeser, the mom using her little magnet to figure out how to move it with her own leg under the table. I love the yeah. I love the practical effect and I love the digital effect. I did not love that the planchette looked like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. I they should have used an authentic original wasn't it Parker Brothers that originally put this game out? Whoever put the game out originally, I wish they would have just used that planchette because it's so much scarier if it's something you can actually imagine being your home. And instead, it's like this Guillermo del Toro giant wooden thing with like <laughs> creases in it. Thought I have no idea. Off. 
I have no idea what the original one looks like, so that did not. Yeah, get me. well, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> Didn't take me out of the experience. Anyway, then we keep. Then we end up in fuck. I don't know. Kind of the most generic section of this movie, in yeah. which Doris is full blown evil. The whole family's back in the torture room. Doris is is pretending she's a Nazi doctor or maybe a a cursed demon dead patient um and everybody dies lena yeah yeah lena sews doris's mouth shut and and kills her we think i don't know what to make of the the um post-credit sequence but that happens she kills her mom there's a post-credit sequence yeah with lynn shay oh yeah she's in ouija teacher lena yeah Yeah. she's in ouija so that's yeah. the connection. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. And I can't really give you the play-by-play of what happens, but it was all pretty arbitrary. And then it basically felt like, all right, well, we need to kill off all these characters except for Lena. This is really like the backstory of Lena, who I guess is played by Lin Shay in the original. For what I can't imagine, who is added in reshoots. Time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like fuck. The, the entire Lin Shay character was added after test audiences, I guess, hated the original version of Ouija, which is hilarious because everyone hated the version of Ouija that actually came out. Imagine how much worse it could have been. But you know what? Throw right. Lin Shay in there and you get a little. Uh, Lin Shay was in Critters too, actually. To, to a call back to earlier in the episode. What is Lin Shay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um,. No, it's it's but, interesting to me because, like, kind of the moral, I don't know. It, it's hard to sort out, like, what you're supposed to make of this in the end. And, and, and again, this is where I talk about kind of the emotional arc of a Mike Flanagan movie. For me, I, I don't really know what to make of this in the end. Like, you know, what uh, the mom tells Lena to kill her. Um, and in Ouija, like, the mom is just a sinister figure. She's just like, like she's referred to as mother and it's kind of that classic like horror movie, like, oh, mother's coming kind of vibe, you know? Mm. I don't know. Especially, I, I, I don't know what to make of kind of the ending of this movie. And especially if you have the context of the original film, which Flanagan did have his hands in. It's, it's just kind of confusing the connective tissue. You've got like little girl Doris with her mouth sewn up in the original too and I, I don't know. It's all a little muddly, even in just this movie, let alone when you have the context of the original. I thought the whole ending of this one was muddy and it it was surprisingly soulless and, and cynical, I think, uh, for Mike Flanagan. It has fun, spooky stuff in it. Like, I like, you know, Doris's big CGI mouth and I like her walking on the ceiling at the end. But it's all that stuff is all fundamentally kind of stupid and doesn't really feel like it belongs here. Oh. And it just feels like they got to a certain point with this movie and didn't really know what to do with it. The ending feels a little flaily, especially for but, Flanagan who, who can land a fucking plane, you know? Yeah. Or at least like, I mean, listen, I've had issues with some Flanagan endings in the past, but I, yeah. I at least respect them for being like chicken soup for the soul. Like his kind of corny aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah. At least. Yeah. Like if if Doris had turned into a bunch of butterflies like before I wake or <laughs> yeah. something, I would have been like, okay, that's yeah. that's, that's that's poignant. Whatever. Yeah. She just breaks apart into like a million planchettes that fly. <laughs> yes. Out. I want to screen. see that, Steven. <laughs> yeah. But in in this, like everybody just dies and it seems surprisingly mean spirited for yeah. Mike Flanagan. Henry Thomas dies, the mom dies, Doris dies. I guess she comes back as a ghost, but that's cool comfort the sweet boyfriend dies Le- and, and lena is just like horribly traumatized for life has to live in an asylum yep and there's not really anything to balance that out there's not really any sense of like oh but you know at least this came out of it no there's, what, yeah there's like, no point at least 
it's like at least Ouija the movie came out of it is <laughs> is the point. Yeah. 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 And it really starts to feel like it's just kind of concerned with setting up some other movie in which none of these characters exist. Whatever. That's that is the issue there. Like that's what he had to contend with because it is a prequel. And I think they I think they were hoping that this would be a hit. And it wasn't I mean, it made like three times his budget back, but it still only made like $40 million US. And I think they were like, okay, well, if we're going to introduce characters in this that weren't in the first Ouija, we got to kill them because we're going to go back to the present with the next Ouija yeah. movie, with Ouija 3. Like, that's going to uh-huh. be a sequel to the original. And and there's like a, there's an attempt at poignancy because you find out that the ghost of the dad is actually in the house and was doing some sort of machinations to try to communicate with the girls. And that's kind of sweet. Like, his ghost is there. It's been trying to communicate, trying to help the family, and there's sort of some poignancy, sort of some closure, sort of a typical Mike Flanagan arc around that, but then it's just left there, and all the, the whole family gets killed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not not Flanagan's best. Certainly not his worst, but not his best. And it's it's weird because... But it's still like, better than not... like 95% of everything else. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I gave it a view it, yeah. but just the, I gave it a view it in spite of the ending. And yeah. it's, it's weird because like, I usually cringe a little at those Mike Flanagan endings, but here oh, I, I missed it. Here you I wanted missed. that yes. comfort. Yeah, yeah. You know? I get it. Yeah. I wanted some sort of larger meaning to come out of killing all these people. Yeah. Chris, you, I, I, I've harassed you about this in, in private life as well as I think on the podcast, but you got to set aside some time and finally watch the, the Flanagan Netflix shows because the three of them together are progressively better refinements of just, he's just getting better. M- Midnight Mass is a fucking masterpiece. It's the best fucking it's thing awesome. he's done. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's just getting better as he goes along with each movie and each, each series. I think, on it, I, I think Chris, I think watch him and watch him in this order and we'll oh. see if Patrick wants to argue with me. Interesting. Hill house, which I think is a masterpiece. People bitch about the ending of that. I do not get it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Mid- if you're, Mid- if you're about to say midnight mass, that will be wild. Mid watch midnight mass second. Whoa. Just because it comes later and you can skip blind manor. That's a bunch of bullshit. What? That's no, that's bullshit. That's a terrible opinion. Get out. That was actually the order I was inclined to watch them in because I'm very curious. I'm curious to see Midnight Mass, but it's not bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Dude, I couldn't even bring myself to finish it. And I've tried to watch. That's the problem. Mm. The the ending is great. It's a great ending. I still it might be a good ending. But I want to cry right now just thinking about that ending. It's so good. It's better than Hill House. Bly is better than Hill House. They get progressively better. Is my is my take. Oh wow! All right. I fucking hated the kids in Bly Manor. I love Robin. Oh, the kids. The kids are extremely annoying. But that's part of the that's the point though. It's part of the point. But yeah, like sitting through eight hours of that is torture. Did either you fuck with the Midnight Club? I watched I the first watch episode. It. It's yeah. it's definitely made it's definitely geared toward teens, but it's also like they're all pretty lovable and I realized after the first episode, oh, they're all terminally ill. I'm going to have to watch these kids die over well, the course of the show and I don't want that. <laughs> and that's not an auteur effort, right? Didn't he just produce that and like write and direct an episode here and there, I think? Um, he shepherded the whole thing into production. Yeah. I, 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 he didn't direct every episode, but right. I mean, it was definitely a Mike Flanagan project. Mm. It's got his, I, at least the one episode I saw had his stamp all over it and everything yeah. that was set up. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. It didn't super grab me though. I would go back to it. Fun fact, totally related, totally relevant to our last episode. Guess who's in this fucking movie? Not as Jones. not as the don't think it, don't say it, Doug Jones. Yeah, what did you guys think of the ghoulie he played in this? I don't remember uh, which one this is. Who's Ghoul Marcus? What does that mean? Didn't like it. He's the black. He's he's like the 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 like tarry black demon creature that gets inside of Doris. 
oh. that crawls into her mouth. Which, god oh. damn it, I did not like that mouth stuff. One, the CG threw me off. But also, I felt so uncomfortable watching a little girl's mouth being pulled open by an unseen force as she's, like, bending backwards in front of the camera. I just... Uh, yeah, you know. it's it's upsetting. It's freaky. It's horror. It's upsetting, but it just felt like upsetting in a way that it maybe didn't need to be and wasn't exactly horrific. It was just kind of like, oh, feel bad for that girl that that's on her sizzle reel. <laughs> mm. Well, that's your movie. That's your movie, man. <laughs> wow. Let's say goodbye before we uh, end this discussion. Make sure to move the planchette to goodbye, everyone. Are you going to say um, goodbye, bye, man? I, I mean, I'll, I'm not above saying goodbye by man uh, or bye bye man in any of its forms. So next episode, we're at the hands of the wheel, guys. We're going to yeah, throw we that planchette on the wheel of death and just let it spin until it picks up. Yeah, we do. And movie. I got to tell you, the wheel is a little light, I think. Uh, it seems like there's just not as much shit in the horror genre. That's a trend. Usually is. That's a trend I've been noticing for a few months now, and I'm sad that it's continuing. Yeah, we're that means we're almost done. We're nearing the end. (laughs) (laughs) We might make it to the end of this thing after all. Oh Uh, my god! All right, but I'm gonna load up. We got every horror movie on Netflix loaded up into a little cyber wheel of death here. We're gonna give it a spin and find out what we're watching next week. All right, here we go. Chris, I like how you wiggle when you do this. You like kind of shimmy your shoulders. Yeah. All right. It's going. It's spinning. We are going to watch. There's someone inside your house. (laughs) Oh, my God. We just can't get out of houses. That's the name of the movie. That's don't don't freak out. (laughs) That's the name of the movie. (laughs) Oh, wow. There's someone inside your house. What's the fucking little tagline? Yeah, this what 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 foreign line. country is this from? This what, is what a, bad translation is this? This is a uh, 2021 N film. It appears to be uh, American. Damn, Z- xenophobic Stephen has entered the chat. And I mean, I'm just thinking about like a classic horror story. You know, <laughs> the synopsis says. Makani and her friends at Osborne High School try to identify and stop a masked killer who's targeting students and exposing their biggest secrets. Oh, okay. Osborne High School. The masked killer is the Green Goblin. (laughs) Already solved. Case closed. Already solved. (laughs) You are a bit of a scientist yourself. There's someone inside your house. (laughs) Well, all right. Looking forward to it, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's been great, great talking Ouija with you guys. Hope we can play Ouija soon, IRL. I'm going to mm-hmm. make that happen. We didn't even should talk go, about we our views to, on We should go to Motor Ouija. City Nightmares and get Henry play Ouija Thomas. with Henry yeah. Thomas yeah. with us. Oh, oh. I mean, 900 people have done that to him before, but still. Oh, I highly doubt it. Everybody wants to go and talk to him about Suicide Kings. No one wants to talk about (laughs) Luigi. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So, so pretty soon it's, uh, we'll get it on the books. We are going to, uh, play with a Ouija with Henry Thomas this July. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to try to talk to (laughs) ET. Wait. Okay. Um, there should be a there should be a phone home option on the Ouija board. Yeah. Um. That could be in place of goodbye. Is maybe. Peter Coyote dead? I don't know. Okay. Can we go into he lives horror? He's alive. Can we go into horror catch up over time for exactly sixty seconds and no more? Because, over time. Because right. because I forgot that it, since we last met. I played Saw the video game at Chris's house. Oh yeah! That's after after watching him play RE4 for I don't know a few hours, and he was like, "You got to play Saw the video game, man." And I was skeptical, but you know what? Saw the video game on PlayStation Two and a half, three, whatever the fuck, uh, summons the spirit and the energy of the Saw movies in- perfectly. By which I mean, it made me feel gross, and I kind of hated that I was playing it. But I, it, I want to play more. Yeah, that's all I have to say. I forgot about that. 
I, I made it very deep into that game once, but it's a little too long for me. Oh, right. You didn't even finish it. I didn't, which is rare for me to get that deep into a game and not finish it. But it became very kind of repetitive and repetitive along the lines of like combat with the other patients and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think an hour of it was probably enough, but I, I, I want to play I was just going to say, does it last longer than an hour? Because that would be too long for me. <laughs> it's long, right, Chris? Didn't you say it's like eight hours or something? It, it, I didn't finish it, so I don't know how long it yeah. is. It's longer than I was able to play it. Fuck. Wow. Which is saying something. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I just wanted to share, especially in light of Chris's comments on Saw earlier. Well, thank you. I mean, that was that was worth bringing up. You're um, welcome. Breaking news, folks. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, when we're watching, there's someone in your house. <laughs> Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. An AI generated movie title. Uh, I've been Stephen. <laughs> I've been Chris. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> Bye.